With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Basketball game, and I had the quickest turnaround of emotions possible. It's amazing I didn't have a Purdue jersey on. Okay. We were down two with like seven seconds left. I pop out to the top, catch shoot, three-pointer, good. Up one with like 2.7 seconds left. And then on the inbound, I fouled the guy shooting a three. Hand down, man down. You got to get that hand up. No, I just straight ran through him. You don't do that, dog. You don't. <laughs> that is a Purdue move. All for nothing. Thought I had my play. And instead, I <laughs> the bed. That should be Purdue's slogan. So encouraging. I thought we found glory. Said we just found shit in the bed. It's not okay. I have to be working karaoke instead of watching Purdue play. Oh, God. <laughs> it's McNeese State. <clears throat> it's the season opener, Travis. It's McNeese okay, State. Adam, we are about to record a podcast about Purdue sports. We all write for a Purdue site. If anyone could understand that you want to see a season opener, it should be these people right here. Uh, see, I'm I'm still scarred from the Little Rock game. Like, I'm just like... <laughs> Get your head out of your goddamn ass. We're fine. <laughs> it's over. It's a new season. I know, but I'm scarred okay. and I'm broken. I'm broken as a Purdue fan. I'm like, look, it's not going to matter look, until March. Look, Travis, when you got this hot bitty and she breaks your heart, I understand that you want to close off emotionally. But when she calls you at 2.30 in the morning drunk, you let her come over. Didn't I just tell no. you to not stick no. your dick in crazy? You stick your dick in it. You don't put your heart in it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Nothing good ever happens after 2 a.m. One. I have had a lot of <laughs> after 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, think I've, the best 30 seconds in his life. I don't think I've seen after 2 a.m. <laughs> since Dylan was like six months old. <laughs> I'm drinking Morgan out of a schooner on Thursday night. I have weird priorities. Well, you can just f*** right off right now, I guess. <laughs> you see, Morgan is a trigger word for Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I have made many bad decisions with the captain before. Oh, I was thinking Morgan Burke. <laughs> Oh, well. If you say that, you start That's thinking about going to get angry. All right. We should probably get this thing started. I'm going to round right into form as we start. There we go. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good whatever you are, whenever you are, wherever you are. This is Travis Miller, a.k.a. T-Mill of HammerAndRails.com, coming to you live from my couch with my laptop on my lap, right in your ear. Is this Storybook Hour with Travis Miller? (laughs) I want a warm fire and some chestnuts. This is how a Dateline episode starts. (laughs) And there goes my wonderfully planned intro. As you know, this is the Hammer and Rails podcast. And today we have with us Casey Bartley from West Lafayette holding down the fort on campus. How are things, Casey? I thought I was in God's country. Oh, in God's country. Excuse me. I'm I mean, sorry. We have like one one rhythm to this, and that's like a major part of it. Oh, I'm, well. I'm doing, I'm combative and drinking Morgan. That's how I am. And uh, speaking of the rhythm method, we have our resident Catholic, Juan, from the city <laughs> where... <laughs> <laughs> the city of Harbaugh. Uh, 
Osana, Osana, yes. See, now you're triggering all these like Catholic hymns that I have in my head. Uh, okay, so that took uh, about a minute and a half to go completely and utterly off the rails. That's fantastic. How do we not start the pod like that? Well, we would get the Quad City DJs, but I think uh, I think they would get kind of mad and for not getting royalties even 18 years after it, that song came You're out. referencing all things I don't understand. Well, I know you were a kid when that came out, but... We can give them all zero dollars we get off this podcast. We make, like, negative money on this. They would have to fill out a 1099 this year, and I just don't want to mess with the paperwork. Well, uh, I think uh, our readers will be happy, our listeners will be happy. Readers and <laughs> listeners, because I'm assuming there's Our a lot readers of are never there. happy. <laughs> Maybe our listeners are. <laughs> but uh, this is going to be a football-free podcast because yes. we have actual live Purdue basketball that counts in from the moment of that, that we're recording this podcast in about 20 hours. Woot woot even. <laughs> so let us begin with our preview of McNeese State. <laughs> It's a crappy Southland team. We should beat them by at least 25. There's our preview. In all fairness, they have like five more scholarship players than we do for it. Well, yes, th- this is a bit of a this is a bit of concern as Purdue is going into this game tomorrow night now with a total of seven scholarship players on the roster. I really, I really think this is my fault because that means we're probably going to see Grady Eifert again, which we probably deserve because I'm an asshole. I get he's going to score like 15 tomorrow. Oh, Grady Eifert going off for 15. That would be Why not? I mean, I, everyone on the board is going to be able to go, ha-ha, look, and I'm going to deserve it, and I'll, I'll swallow that. It's fine. I hope the best for him. And and see, we may have to play him because Jaquil Taylor. Have we ever gotten a consensus on if it's Jaquil or Jaquil? I want to say Jaquil just because I read a lot of Harry Potter and I like quills. Yeah, it, well, I, I know it for we had four years of Kawan Schwartz before we found out it was Kwan. So I know they can change these for us. Uh, but he he is out indefinitely after surgery for another stress fracture in his foot, which is very unfortunate. I was really looking forward to him kind of blossoming as a reserve this year, so he could play a much larger role next season. And then of course we have Bezel Smotherman out for a game for his off-season shenanigans, if you will. Can we agree on if it's Basil or Basil? It's Basil. I, I've always heard it as There's Basil. A, it's Basil. It's Basil. He pronounces it Basil. I think we've had this debate before, and I'm always wrong. But anyway, every he's, podcast. he is <laughs> serving the down. final of his three-game suspension for, um, was that officially reefer in the car that he got busted with? Or was I don't it know, just but heavily are we really going to call it a three-game suspension? Like, we're really stretching the limits of that. Hey, you, you doubt the you doubt the seriousness of secret scrimmage? Uh, yes, as well as exhibition against whoever. Okay, three competition. There we go. Three events. Yes. The, the the point is, is Basil is sitting out tomorrow night, but he does get to return on Monday against Villanova. And then, of course, we have Ryan Klein. Oh, Ryan. The amount of surprise that I personally had... I didn't know he partied that hard. He doesn't look like he's ever partied that hard. I admit that I was surprised too. I uh, I I met him a couple of times. I interviewed him after the I think it was the season opener, his senior season at Carmel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was covering that game for the Zionsville paper, and so I went over and just did, did a quick interview. And I w- I was kind of shocked that it would be him that would be uh, found passed out in a car with 
uh, was it officially marijuana or was it just marijuana paraphernalia? I think it was officially marijuana. Officially marijuana. I think. I don't know. Uh, but at the same was, time, personally. Oh, no, it was a fish named marijuana. Oh, okay. Yes. I don't know. I'm not too surprised, but then again, I grew up in an area that was basically northern Indiana's version of Carmel. I'm like, God damn, these kids are at it again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was found passed out in a black Lexus. I mean, that just screams Carmel and Ranger, Noblesville and all those areas. You're doing weed wrong if the end result is you passed out at the driver's seat of a car still running. Yeah. That's not how you weed. Well, and and the thing is, is it just, it does, it kind of uh, gets at the picture that the broadcasters tried to paint last year. I know specifically they were talking about the Pittsburgh game where he hit four big threes in the second half. And they're like, you can just picture this kid shooting against a a basketball goal on a barn. And I'm like, he grew up in Carmel. There's way too many things to say right now. Trump's going to be our president. Uh, White white will be white. Uh, we're, we're not touching the politics no. right now, so we, we should probably stay away from that, especially uh, Casey is drinking a, what did you say, a schooner? A schooner of, of mostly Morgan and a little bit of vanilla Coke Zero. Oh, well. So if we can get sponsorship from either of them. Vanilla Coke Zero, because Casey is a pretty lady that has to watch a big... <laughs> I am pretty. My mommy tells me so. But anyway, uh, back, to, back to Ryan Klein. He's going to be sitting out for the next... Four games. He will miss the first four games of the regular season, which uh, that also means that he, we we will be without him for the bigger game on Monday night, which is the one that we should really be talking about. And that is the Villanova Wildcats, your defending national champion, coming to West Lafayette. Really, guys, do you think we have a chance now being a bit shorthanded? No Taylor, no Klein. Smother playing his first game in a year and a half, really. You know, it, it, it is a bit of a concern facing what looks to be a loaded looks to be like a loaded Villanova team. You never want to go in against the defending national champions not at your best. And it's the second game of the season, so you're already not going to be as much as we have experience coming back, almost every player on our roster is taking a different role because of the players that we lost last year. Ryan Klein might be the one guy who comes back in the exact same role as last year, be a shooter, try not to kill us on defense, make smart passes, don't screw up. But now he's gone, and we're going to play an athletic team, so more Basil is good. Basil, apologies. But like you said, Basil has not played D1 basketball, an actual live game, and I mean, it's, you know, closer to two years, and it's... He sat out a whole year, but, you know, all the offseason, this offseason, like, he's going to be a little rusty. And our wing depth is going to be stretched in the sense that we don't have, we're going to have to play Spike, PJ, and Carson a ton, which might be fine. But at the same time, we're playing a really good school and, you know, athletes and tall guys and people like a shooter are important. And, and the thing is, is it's going to be an immediate test to see if our backcourt is going to be better. Because, as you mentioned, we have Spike, PJ and Carson. Two of those guys weren't even on Purdue's roster last year. It's going to be better. There's almost no way it can't be because, yes, Johnny Hill is a really good athlete and played hard D, but you cannot. In today's basketball, you cannot put a guy out on the court that just cannot shoot. And Johnny Hill could not shoot. And it absolutely cramped up our spacing every time he came on the floor. And in a way, so did Ray D. I mean, Ray D was yeah, spotty yes, at best as a shooter. Absolutely. I, I mean, as a shooter, he was fine last year and the year before even. It's just ever since the knee injury, he just lost his ability. To, a, he never had a handle. 
Like he could not dribble, but then he lost his burst. So he couldn't even get to the rim with just his right hand. And we played with too many guys that were so offensively limited that our spacing was screwed up. And when you play really good teams, they're going to close you down. And the one thing is we don't have Hammonds behind us anymore. I don't think at the beginning of the year, we're going to be a great defensive team. By the end of the year, I think we'll get, you know, we'll start to mesh and we'll really start to clamp down. But for the last four years, we've had a center that just swallowed up the rim. Everyone was capable, was, you know, not afraid to play up on guys or let them get by because people were scared to shoot layups. That's not going to be the case this year. Do you think that it could be beneficial that, you know, we may not be as good of a defensive team, but it seems like we might be a better offensive team because as you said we're not playing three on five offensively with hill and davis on the floor is no threat to shoot or drive to the basket or anything right wait i i do think we added more than we lost like offensively adding spike could be big but it also i don't know how much he's gonna play for us but just the fact that literally besides isaac haas every person that plays this year is capable of shooting and somewhat handling the ball. Last year, we had so many one-dimensional offensive guys that could only do one thing or another that just having that much shooting around us is going to provide spacing and all this room. And I think all of our guys are going to, by the end of the year, we're going to be one of the best offensive teams in the nation. I just don't know if in the second game of the year against a team as good as Villanova that we're going to be able to, you know, get into that gear, especially without Klein, especially without Basil being, you know, in game shape, ready. I think it's going to take a little bit of adjusting, and that game scares me. But it's also an early game against the number two team in the nation. Losing it really doesn't hurt us. It's true, and it is at home too. I mean, right. and Purdue Purdue's a different team at home. They, especially in big games like this, there's only we, been one time really uh, under Painter, or at least uh, you kind of throw out that first year under Painter. Right. But there's only been once or twice that we haven't brought that energy when it's been a big game against a big name opponent at home. The yeah, first time I can think of would be the Duke game when Jawan and Etwan were all sophomores. And then the only other time would be uh, the year that Indiana was ranked number one and they came in and just kicked our ass up and down the floor. And the only one that seemed aware that there was a basketball game going on was Hammond. Right. I was at that game. Oh, so was I. It was it was it was brutal. That, yeah, was that brutal, was my senior year. It was really year. fun too because like we got to see what Hammonds could do. It kind of felt like a precursor. Yeah, but we still lost by what what was it? 37 points to Indiana. It was 90 Silver lining. Thir- 60. Silver lining. Hammonds had half the points for Purdue in that game. Yeah, I mean, I mean it was one dunk in transition that made me happy for a month. Uh, okay, well, I'm glad that you... Okay, 97 to 60, like you said. And <laughs> I was off by one point. I think yeah. the point is that, like, really... Those are two really good teams. Deke's, Duke is always good. And that Indiana team, despite what they did in the tournament, like, they had Oladipo and Zeller. Like, that was a loaded Indiana team. Yeah, I mean, they just... they shot us out of the gym and they just they kicked our ass right and proper the problem is villanova could be that good of a team and and yeah they really could i mean people are projecting them as possibly the first repeat champion in 10 years and you don't come into the season rank number two and you don't win a national championship without without being an extremely good team and they they finished the last season just ridiculously hot they blew out most of their tournament opponents i think that's going to be it's just going to be such an interesting early test for us because here you have Purdue highly ranked you know expected to be 
one of those, you know, good, consistent ranked teams all year versus a legitimate national championship contender. And like you said, Casey, if Purdue loses, it's not going to hurt us. You know, it's going to teach us a lot. If Purdue wins, however, (laughs) I think you're going to see just the expectations are just going to go through the roof. Are you bought back in if we beat Villanova? I will not be bought back in until March. (laughs) I I am treating this entire season like I treated the Cubs regular season. That is, the regular season didn't matter for the Cubs because they were expected to make the playoffs, and it only mattered what they did in October. Purdue's expected to make the tournament. They're expected to be probably at least a four seed, if not higher. It doesn't doesn't matter. And I've said this several times, is last season – you had four and a half, five months of just enjoyable basketball completely and utterly ruined in the final three minutes of that Little Rock game. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I can't, it, I, I'm sure we're going to have a good year. I'm sure we're going to contend for a Big Ten title and everything, but I'm just solely focused on March and what needs to get done there. And a lot of it comes from, I'm tired of taking the barbs of, yeah, Purdue does great and then they, they don't do anything in March. And it's like, just once, I want to be able to do something in March and say, see, we did it. Now shut up. This is revisionary history, but I think last year made sense. The NCAA tournament loss. Because looking back, despite how well we performed during out during the year, our team had a lot of holes, mostly offensively. Like you said, Rafael Davis, after the knee injury, was a bad offensive player. And he wasn't he, – I don't think he was – I'm not even sure he reached good on defense most nights. He just didn't have it. He didn't have the quickness. He wasn't able to stick with him. And he'd always been a little jumpy on defense, and it was even more so last year. Johnny Hill was – Half of a really good basketball player, but the half he was missing absolutely tore up our spacing. And we had Ryan Klein, who you only worried about shooting. He could pass the ball, yes, but he could not create. Dakota Mathias, slightly better than that, but not a whole bunch more. All of our players were one-dimensional on offense, it felt like. Caleb Swanigan turned over the ball way too much. He was sloppy. He didn't really know what to do. We didn't run an offense that really helped him out. And Isaac Haas was stuck on the bench because we had Hammonds there. This year, Klein, in theory, will get better. Dakota Mathias will get better. We brought in Spike Albrecht, who is a guy who is creative on offense in the way, especially with passing, that we have not had in a very long time. He holds the ball. He dribbles. He knows how to move the defense around and create spacing. Caleb Swanigan is going to be used in a way that is more beneficial to his talents. He's going to be used as a spread pick and roll guy. He's going to be able to catch the ball at the free throw line with spacing. He's either going to be able to shoot, attack, or find an easier easier passing lane than he did last year. And Isaac Haas is going to be able to feast in the post because we're going to play him by himself with four shooters around. And he's going to be able to draw fouls and have easy kickouts. And everyone on our team this year that's going to play can shoot. Carson Edwards actually dribble the ball from the three-point line and get to the rim. So all the holes we had last year have been filled, in theory. Yeah, in in theory. And it also helps that Haas is an extremely large individual that nobody can really match up to. And sometimes you just give him the basketball and say, hey, score from about three feet out. There are not many teams in the country that just have a fail safe in a half court offense where it's like seven seconds left in the play clock. Nothing's open. You give the giant monster the ball. And at worst, he's going to take a hook shot that he's pretty good at taking. Oh, you mean what we should have done in the Little Rock game with 11 seconds left, but instead Haas was on the bench? Oh, wait, I'm 
Yeah. We're not talking about last year. No. That's, that's no. right. I'm sorry. The future. The future. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear I'm glad to hear all of this, and I know that you've been all in on Carson Edwards for a very long time. Carson, the truth, Edwards. See, Casey had this thing where he basically <laughs> rode Caleb Swanigan so hard last year he needed a saddle, but now this year it's all in on Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards has never tried to braid cornrows and then tie them together like a weird, I don't know. It looked like a raccoon hat, but not really. Little did you know that Casey was our fashion expert. That's okay, fine. everyone knows just that. I am buttons. obviously the pretty one at the site. That's why you guys all put up with my shenanigans. And that's why none of you see our faces during these podcasts. Well, well, Casey, Casey's the fashionable one. Juan is the swan, is the suave Latin lover. Sure. Can we get references for that? Yeah, and uh, and uh, I I guess I'm just the silver fox with the gray now coming in on my hair. So as long as we all he, have, he's a the one who falls asleep during rain delays. Oh, hey, shut it! All right, I was an old man. Yeah, we're always gonna give you crap. For you that, waited a hundred and eight years to take a nap at the exact right moment, Travis. Yeah, I know it sucked. <laughs> I wish I hadn't had a flight the next morning either, but. If Purdue makes it to the national title, please go to sleep. If we just make that's, what it's well, take. that's fair. I was going to say we'll give you cocaine just to make sure you stay awake. Let's give him a whole bottle of Benadryl or something. It's the final four in Miami. Uh, this year, it's in Arizona. I have a cousin in Arizona. This works out. <laughs> and we can get media passes, too, because we, we've had a representative at the last two NCAA tournaments, which probably is... Probably doesn't bode well considering the way that we've painfully lost both games. Maybe we should stop. Thank God it was Colorado last year, so Drew was just so stoned not to even feel it. Probably explains what happened in the last three minutes of that game, too. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Shots fired. They they just took it at the under four. They just took a little smoke or whatever. Oh, at the 420 break, they uh, called a timeout. Yes. And that explains. So are you you saying Klein was busted with some of the stash that he brought back? Why do you think he missed that free throw in overtime? Oh, because he shot 50% on the year. <laughs> Touche. I'm trying to make a conspiracy. Why is it that we have shooters that can't shoot from the free throw line? We have shooters that don't get to the free throw line long enough. I mean, Even what? when they was do, like, though, Klein was like six, well, yeah, six for 12 or whatever the hell it was. Okay. His free throw stats for the entire season. He was up? seven of 13. So you're close on the six of 12. I'd say, Jesus, I did pretty well for just making numbers up out of my head. By comparison, Jaquil was four of nine. And Jaquil played nine free throw attempts. Yeah. Jaquil played 60 minutes of the, on the season. Klein played 475. That is a great time to uh, talk about my prediction posts. I said okay, yes. Let's, I let's said he would play less than 100 minutes last year and was right. Have you guys come up with predictions for this year? Uh, I said that we would... Uh... I said that we would go 13 and 5 in the Big 10 and 9 and 4 outside of it. Do you think we're going to lose four non-conference games? Our non-conference this year is ridiculously hard compared to the no. past and, and as you we said, have we're going to have four games. Okay, okay, we have Villanova, we've got Louisville, we've got the Crossroads which we always pee down our leg in the Crossroads. Yes. And that, that that leaves like Arizona State or uh one of the games in Cancun. Oh. Those aren't listed on Kim Palm. Well, one of them is is uh, Utah State is the first one. Okay. The second one is either against Auburn or Texas. Do you really Tech. think we're going to lose four out of those five? I I think we can. I th- I think it's entirely possible. I'm very concerned about Villanova and Louisville. I think we I think to get expectations really up, we've got to get one of those two. 
And then I mean, it would be very which, nice to win the crossroads harder? for which one. Do you think it's a harder game? At home, Villanova, or going into Louisville? Going to Louisville. I think we win the tournament. I have no concern about that. Oh, the the one in Cancun? Mm-hmm. Now, how much do you want to play Ronnie Sauce Johnson and Auburn in the final? I don't a care. Lot. You I guys want, hate I, him. I want all You that guys sauce. hate him. I do not hate him. I don't know. I don't know why we're still talking about Sauce. He's a young kid who was. Well, but I, I think it, I think there's a difference. We've had players transfer away like Anthony Johnson and Jacob Lawson and Kendall Stevens. You know, right, Kendall guys that stings. weren't good. Ronnie Johnson was actually good. Well, I, I, Kendall kind of stings because he's a oh, legacy. Kendall stings, yeah. No, I love. Yeah, uh, but he he they all handled it with a fair amount of class and were decent about it and everything. Johnson was just basically an asshole going out the door. He is kind of. Look, I've played basketball against him. Like he's mouthy. He runs as quick as his mouth does. I don't. They're kids. <laughs> they're kids, and that's their life. As much as like we think it's important, like it's their life. And really, there's not going to be anybody left on the team that really played with him. No, I mean, like no. no. Basil's about it. Was he on that? Oh yeah, he was. He yeah he, he played with him as a freshman, and then you know Kendall's gone, Hammonds, and yeah, I mean everybody else is gone. I think one of the walk-ons, John oh, McKeeman. Well, I, I, I think McKeeman's out for vengeance then. <laughs> They're going to put a man in guard, Ronnie Johnson, with him. Please. Just for one play. <laughs> McKeeman is just a hard foul, just a hip check. Bring go. him in on offense and make an illegal screen. Well, McKeeman is technically the longest tenured player on the whole roster. It's been a trend the last couple of years that the walk-ons have uh, always been the most senior of the seniors. Yeah, and he's the only senior aside from Spike. And I, I, it's like I don't count Spike as a senior because he's a grad student and he's only going to get the one year. No, we're going to love him more than any other player on our roster. He dives on the floor for ridiculous reasons. Like he's he's Brian Cardinal mixed with Chris Kramer in David Spade's body. That is one of the best <laughs> descriptions of a player I've ever heard. I love that. I love every bit of that description. Should we talk about the uh, our incoming recruiting class? Yes, uh, that that can be our good uh, final topic. Is we have three new Boilermakers that are officially on board. We have Aaron Wheeler. We have Matt Harms. And yes, I just I hung on <laughs> to that. We say aim. it that way every time. But Harms. Harms. Well, I could I could try and make him talk like Goldmember. In fact, I kind of hope he talks like Goldmember. That would be awesome. <laughs> and we have uh, junior college transfer Eden Ewing. And it, it looks like uh, this class is not done. We currently have at least one more scholarship for next year, as that would put us at 12 if everybody returns. And let's face it, Caleb Swanick is not returning for his junior year. Or at least we we hope not. You don't want him to return? Well, I would love for him to return, but I also want him to play well enough that he's gone because that means we have a better season this year. That's fair. You know, it, it honestly, I, I would love, I would love him to go as well as Haas and Edwards because if all three of them go, that means we've had a phenomenal year. I still don't think Swanigan is that appealing to the NBA. The only way it would be is if he literally just becomes a knockdown shooter. And the intra-squad squim- scrimmage game, he was not at all. Well, he it'll, has, it'll be he would have to make forty. 40- Two to forty-five percent from three, I think, to be an actual NBA prospect next year. But he can be a uh, run, rebound, and defend guy. I think in the NBA. He can, 
he's not a defender. He's not he's not mobile enough laterally. He's not tall enough. His major avenue to getting to the NBA would be to stretch the floor and be a guy who's capable with the ball in his hands. And there's or, a lot of work to do. Or he could be a poor man, Zach Randolph. I think Kevin loves the guy. I think that is the absolute perfect what he has to hope to mold himself into. Caleb's post game is not that sophisticated. Yeah. And see, sometimes I don't think you need to be sophisticated. Sometimes brute force is just enough. But it wasn't enough in college, so why would it be enough in NBA? This is true. true. (laughs) What I find interesting about the recruits we brought in is it makes a lot of sense knowing what we have going forward, which for the next couple of years is going to be, you know, well, Dakota Mathias, Ryan Klein, P.J. Thompson, they're all shooters. That was Painter's big thing. Like I started, I wanted to get the best shooting. And now we're getting the athletes to fill in around them. Wheeler's super long. Uh, Ewing is super long. Next year, we might be able for minutes to play two guys that are seven foot, two inches. Because Harms is capable of stepping out and making a jump shot. The addition to that kind of length to the kind of experience and shooting we have next year is going to be really interesting. And I think, I mean, this is... This is a recruiting class we didn't have with the baby boilers until a year too late. We no, never I know that I definitely want no gel Eastern. I've I've been high on him for a while right. and I feel like he has as I call it red button potential. And we need a guy that can just go out Carson and get Edwards. Into the basket. The truth. <laughs> I hope I hope you're right because I do want I want Carson to succeed. I've heard a lot of good things about him and you know, I definitely want him to come in and he went 13 of 15 from three in a high school game. That's that's pretty good. I had a, I had a game at the Co-Rec like that once and even jawed about it. That was like my entire high school basket. That was my entire basketball career highlight was a game like that at the Co-Rec. But yeah, it's obviously a pretty good class right now. It's not the ridiculously talented one with a Jaron Jackson and a Tillman and all that. But I think if we can add a pretty good versatile guard like an Eastern who still could sign this week because it's a week-long period until next Wednesday, that would kind of put this class over the top as being a more complete class. It's just weird that we've missed out on all the top guys this year. It's very frustrating when... Four of the top 36 in the country were playing in Indiana, and we only even got a semi-serious look from one of them, and that was Jackson. After crushing Indiana the last couple of years. Well, we didn't crush them last year. Swanigan and Klein? One and two? Yeah, yeah. I, I, but it's Mr. Different. Basketball think, and Mr. Runner-Up? Yeah, true. And uh, see, I think I mean, for us, that's the tendency to go to prep schools, too, where you had... Scruggs leaves Southport at the last minute to go to some random prep school no one's ever heard of out in California. You have La Lumiere getting Jackson and everything else. Right. So I, I, mean, I think I think that kind of – I'm not sure what kind of relationship Painter has with the prep schools because we just don't get guys from those very often. Uh, of course, Wheeler is from a prep school too. So I mean, but I just like the part no we're mind. getting we're getting long wings that are like uh, Drew Drew, who writes for us, said the big word that TJ Ford said with uh, Ewing was he's versatile. And the fact we're getting wings who are versatile that can shoot, that can you know play with the ball, that can run off the ball, that is the thing we're missing 
that's what we didn't really have last year. We didn't have enough wings that could actually, you know, do anything with the ball, defend, do all that. And that is the most coveted position in basketball now because with all the small ball, you slide them to the four, you slide them all the way up to the two if you want. The ability to mix and match to go with our shooters that we have, that's that's what brings Purdue basketball into, you know, the next the next few years, especially when we play a motion offense that is actually very, you know, very formed for everyone to be able to do a little bit of everything. And when everyone is a danger with the ball, we've seen what our offense can look like. And it's, you know, what well, we actually haven't much because we've lacked the two way players. So if we're bringing those kind of guys in now, like that is a step in the right direction. And I've always, you talk about that versatility. I could, I can see where we needed that in the past because I always wanted to have, I always wanted to be able to run Robbie Hummel out as a three and just have him lay waste to people. And that's kind of, it's kind of what I've envisioned for Vince this year with uh, Haas at the five and Swanigan at the four. We saw parts of it last year. I think that's going to be our worst lineup, to be honest. Really? I think there's more value in putting Vincent down to the four. Actually, I think we'll see at Villanova, and this might be a prediction for uh, the second half of my prediction post tomorrow. I think we might run out a lineup where it is Vincent at the, or not tomorrow, but when we play Villanova. Vincent slide to the five. Basil goes to the four, and then... Probably at the three, Dakota, Carson Edwards, and then Spiker PJ at the point. And then we've got five guys that can all dribble, pass, and shoot. We're going to give up some things on defense, obviously, but I don't know how you guard that. That we've is got an enough, interesting lineup. Because there's not a five in the, and there's not a true five in the nation that can guard Vincent Edwards. And he, the best thing about a lot of our guys are that they don't make mistakes. Our assist to turnover ratio is very high with the right people. And if you can get that where you just have five guys that can all shoot, drive, and pass, like, that's a nightmare. And it's not something you can do for a whole game, but a two, three-minute stretch where all of a sudden you go from, you know, all you have to do is just gain a little bit of cushion, you know, either make up for a lead or build it a little just by creating that kind of chaos and that kind of length everywhere. And I think Basil's capable of playing above where he is. Vincent is. Dakota's looked, he looked really good on defense against Vincent Edwards in the interest squad scrimmage and that's encouraging if he can play down there that just i mean vincent edwards was a 40 percent three-point shooter last year dakota's a shooter and i I think dakota and i think basil or basil are both players that really need to step up and they're going to have to be solid complementary role players with this because like you said they're the ones that are going to be versatile they're going to be playing the two and the three and i think you know as we've seen in the past basil can even go down and play the four if we want to get really athletic and whatnot. he's going to have to with jaquil's injury like, yeah you know, I, I, we don't have yeah. enough big men but i think i think basil at least gives us that uh that rarefied okay he can do freakishly athletic dunk that gets the crowd going mm-hmm. that we we've needed at times really well, especially if you put him on a big who he can just be over aggressive with especially if they ever step outside of the paint like it's just going to be hell to try to give him the ball and the one thing i saw when the interest squad scrimmage was a little weird because we didn't have jaquil so it just had to literally be just haas on swanigan all day and every time haas got the ball swanigan just basil just doubled him and he's so long and quick at it. Like, 
just created chaos and Haas had no idea what to do. And there was a lot of turnovers created by that. So when you go small like that, if you have Vincent at the five, you have Basil, like you switch everything, you run, you trap, you try to just create chaos. And then all of a sudden you have five athletes running down the court. And it's 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 not something we're going to rely on, but it's a change of pace that we haven't really been able to have before. And now all of a sudden with this roster of a bunch of wing guys and guards that like this is in play, we can we can match up with that. And it'll be it'll be very interesting to see because we've never had that be able to just run out and transition or anything. And I'm, I'm very curious to see how well Basil improved his offensive game, too, because I. Like you said, we can't afford to have somebody that's just kind of a black hole on offense and is not at least a threat to score. The best thing you can say is he takes Ray D's place. So it's not like a high ledge. We saw what the offense was. The offense last year was top 20 with Ray D in there. Basil's got more hop. He's probably a better cutter. And his jump shots never looked broken. So if he can start hitting from deep, he he was the number four recruit in the state. Yeah, and four-star guy. According to his stats from two years ago, and better in mind, this was two years ago, he was four of 21 from three that year. So yeah, not he's a never great percentage, shots. but he's got it if he improves on it. Right, and at such a small sample, like if he makes four more of those, he's all of a sudden a decent deep threat. And, and I think that's just what we need. We don't need him to just light it up. We just need him no. to be like, okay, they have to respect it at least. Yeah. You just have to not be Johnny Hill. Yeah, because I, I think Hill hit one three last year and it nearly knocked me over. I was like, what? <laughs> he can shoot that? No, no, he can't. <laughs> Yeah, oh, oh he hit two of threes last year. Excuse me. He was two of nine. And open every possession. So uh, le- I think we should start winding this down, gentlemen. Uh, I guess, uh, what are you guys predicting for these first two basketball games of the year? Obviously, we're pretty much at a consensus to beat McNeese State <laughs> on tomorrow night, or was I guess that would be today by the time many of you listen to this. Uh, but what are you guys thinking on uh, Monday with Villanova? Let's go with Juan since he's just kind of <laughs> quietly for the last 25 minutes. Sup? Hi, Juan. <laughs> I didn't have anything to add, so I'm just <laughs> sitting here listening. <clears throat> he's over there beating his chest hair around his medallion as our swarthy Latin lover. Sure. Um, <laughs> ultimately, I'm not too confident about the Villanova game. It might be a game where we hang around tough in the almost like football, hang around tough in the first half, and then it just starts falling apart in the second half with Villanova using their depth and their experience. Just thinking back to last year, if we can get a player here to have an outstanding game, like I'm looking back, Michigan State when we beat them, Ray had that huge game when we beat Maryland. Dakota had that huge game. We beat uh, Wisconsin. PJ had that huge game. Like we're going to really need someone to step up and have that big game. I think if Purdue wants to win that, but. Um, like we said earlier, losing to Villanova isn't going to hurt. It's going to be a great litmus test, which we really didn't have last year until the Butler game. And that was just before conference play. So having this litmus test to start off the season, I think will help this team out. Definitely. How about, how about you, Casey? What was the question? Uh, what are you thinking on uh, Monday my night sc- with the Villanova My game? schooner's empty. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. If that explains anything. Villanova... <laughs> They're going to beat us. I think it's a big thing. Like, we're going to get better as the year goes on. I think when we get into conference play, we'll really start figuring it out. But I think too many guys are going to have to take over new roles. Um, Carson Edwards is still going to be super fresh. I just think Villanova's, you know, they know what they are. They just won the national title. They're not going to be intimidated by Mackey. I think we'll keep it close up until about four minutes left. And then I think they'll 
stretch it out to about a 12 point win. I, I, I tend to agree with you. It's, I think there's just a lot of questions here. You're working on integrating a lot of new guys, a lot of guys that haven't been playing the whole, we only have eight scholarship guys, which I know painter usually tries to go only about seven or eight deep in bigger games like this, but it's a question of, okay, is this, if he wants to go to that ninth guy, we really don't have a ninth guy out there. You're talking about running Grady Eifert, which Grady Eifert's a nice kid. He can play some basketball <laughs> and everything, but he's a walk on for a reason. Unfortunately, I, I respect him. I respect him for what he's done, but I would we're be not really in basketball shape. Like two games into the season, we're not going to be like in full on. I can run 40 minutes a game. Right. And you know, you, 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 not going to be asking Grady Eifert to go out and have a huge game against the defending national champions. You know, maybe, maybe he does and surprises everybody. That would be wonderful. But I just, I think Villanova is a better team. I think they're a deeper team. Like you said, they're not going to be intimidated by Mackey arena. You know, I, th- I think, I think there's the potential there that this could be a lot like the Duke game uh, when Hummel and them were sophomores and, you know, Duke, just came in and it was an amped up crowd and everything and dude just came in and was like oh that's cute well here's what we're doing (laughs) it's too early it sucks that it's the second game of the year it it does it does i'd like to see us be a little bit more seasoned but as i said earlier you if you pull off a win here all of a sudden your expectations go through the roof it's like instead of instead of a ceiling where you contend for the big 10 you're hoping to get to the sweet 16 it's the all right, we should win this damn thing now and go very deep in the tournament, uh, thinking Elite Eight, if not Final Four. And I, I just don't know if this team is that ready yet. I, I hope I'm wrong. I'm I'm hoping that we have a game where, you know, we get some Mackie magic and you see a team just wilt a little bit like uh, Ohio State did in the infamous Etwan's 38 special game. You know, that that's asking an awful lot this early in the season. You're trying to you're trying to get a team to perform in a huge environment against a team that has already excelled in this and has a lot back from, you know, from a great run last year. And they know what they're doing in big games like this. So it it will be interesting to see how both sides respond, especially Purdue. We've not seen any evidence that an unproven team should beat the national championship returning team this year. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, exactly. And and hopefully we're wrong. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. we we we've suffered through football season to hopefully get some good news here. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no suffering because if you lose, it's 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 a win win. As long as yeah. you don't get completely embarrassed out there, like it's going to be a good showing. This is true, especially that early in the season. It's not going to hurt us when it comes to seeding or anything. If anything, it's a chance for a really good non-con win. Mm-hmm. Also, we're going to destroy Notre Dame in a few weeks after that, so it's fine. Oh, uh, you, yeah, you see you've never been to a Crossroads Classic game, my friend. I know. We're going to break. Neither has Purdue. Eventually. Oh, <laughs> dynamite drop in there, Juan. Carson <laughs> Edwards is going to score 20 points tomorrow. The truth is here. He is among <laughs> us. Okay, so it looks like it looks like Casey's uh, schooners are kicking in for the evening. So I think we'll call it a day. Uh, they were kicking in a while ago. Let's be yeah, honest. this is true. And uh, anybody that's listening is probably begging for us to end this podcast right now. So we could have easily ended it a while ago. Let's be honest. Yeah, this is true. So uh, for Juan, for Casey, and myself, this is T Mill signing off. 
for this edition of the Hammer and Rails podcast. We apologize for not being a little bit more regular on this, but uh, we have to deal with uh, the crappiness that is reality. So take it easy out there and Jesus, boiler up. Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Feel good now because it's only going to get worse. Or, you know, we just have real lives. Scheduling a podcast takes a while. I'm too lazy to that edit. Sounds a lot better. <laughs> We'll end with that. <laughs> and music. Oh, <laughs> boy!